0: If you have a Bible, you can open to Exodus chapter 20. Look uh, mainly at verse 12. The text is also printed on the next page of the bulletin for you, Exodus 20. Um, so we've been going through the Ten Commandments, and uh, um, they've been really helpful to me. Um, this is the first commandment. We've gotten to the the um, one, three, four, five, fifth, fifth commandment, I hope. Um, and it 's the first commandment that um, deals with the relationships between just regular mortals like us, right um, uh, human beings. Uh, the first four commandments deal primarily with our relationship to God, that vertical aspect of our of our lives of reality, of uh, especially our spirituality. but um, now is the time where it shifts, uh, shifts gears and kind of has that horizontal uh, focus, so the first um, of them, it, it might surprise you. Let me um, let me just uh, pray, and then we'll read the scripture. Lord, have mercy on us. You've given us your word because you want us to know you, because you want us to be um, in relationship with you, and because you want us to be changed, and uh, ultimately because you want us to be with you in glory forever. And So we pray that you would make all of that possible Um, as we consider your word, that you would change us, uh, convert us more deeply by your spirit, open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word and to be changed by it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God, uh, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, um, it's surprising maybe. If you were going to write the Ten Commandments, if you were uh, coming up with kind of the ten main things that we need to do in life, and let's say you're wise enough to figure out, you know, the first few of them should have to do with God, right? Uh, have no other God before him and, and so forth. Um, when you start talking about your relationships with other people, what's going to be the first commandment that you write? What's going to be the first commandment that, uh, that governs the relationships that you have with other people? Um, love one another, right? Be, um, be kind to one another. Just don't hurt one another, <laughs> right? Um, maybe be generous to people I, you know, these are the things that we think maybe should dictate primarily our approach to the relationships that we have with other people. So this maybe seems strange to us that it has to do with honoring our father and our mother. And we're going to talk about what that means, but, uh, but basically this is a commandment about showing proper deference to authority. right? It's a commandment about showing uh, respect for authority and honoring authority, uh, and ultimately, um, when we're talking about with regards to uh, the, the relationships that we have with other people, it's, it's a commandment about pride, and it's a commandment about humility, right? Um, a great example of um, honoring or dishonoring your father or your mother shows up in Genesis chapter 9. Uh, it's um, immediately following the scene with the flood right, Noah, the ark, his family, his sons, and their wives, they're all on the ark, and then um, they they disembark after the flood, and uh, the world is theirs to cultivate, and it says um, that the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. That's kind of a parenthetical statement to say he's kind of the bad guy here, right? Right. Um, And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Now Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard, he drank of the wine, and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and And may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. So, um, maybe that seems confusing to you that that there would be this curse, this multi-generational curse and a multi-generational blessing on the other side of things with regard to seeing your drunken father passed out naked in his tent. (laughs) And... um, talking about it it's it's not a commentary on drunkenness this passage Uh, he probably wasn't supposed to be drunk right it's it's highlighted this is not Noah at his best Um, but it's not a commentary on drunkenness and it's really not just some cryptic kind of euphemistic language as if Ham did something much worse than what's actually printed there right Uh, when he saw his father's nakedness he saw his father's nakedness and he went and told his brothers. And that's why Canaan, generations and a nation, are cursed. And that's why his other sons are blessed. It's a passage about dishonoring his father, right? And on the flip side, for the other brothers, it's a passage about honoring their father, about humility before their father, uh, before, before his authority, even though, He's not fully worthy of their honor in this passage, right? Um, It says in the New Testament, um, in Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, Paul writes, "...in humility, count others more significant than yourselves." It's just kind of a blanket statement about humility. Don't be proud. Don't think of yourself better than others. In humility, count others better than yourself more significant than yourself, and so how much more, than if that's just kind of a general statement about everybody, how much more are you supposed to count significant and honor your parents, right, Uh, the ones who gave you life, the ones who nurtured you? Um, If you don't honor your parents, um, I think the Bible kind of makes it clear, you're not going to honor anybody, right, if you don't honor your parents, you're not going to honor anyone, and this is supposed to be a genuine thing, it's from our heart, right? Reluctantly honoring our parents um, isn't genuine. It's not good. It's not true. Um, there's, there's really so many reasons for this. We're not going to cover everything. Um, could spend a lot of sermons on this uh, passage, but let's just think about <clears throat> this as a reason for honoring your parents. Who does more for someone else than a parent? In, in any relationship in life, who does more for someone else than a mother, right? Um, a parent's love is amazing, and children don't understand this, right? Because parents, um, they go through a lot of pain. They go through a lot of suffering, real suffering. Worry characterizes <laughs> much of their lives, um, and that's just leading up to the birth of a child, right? Right? Um, A child is born and m- months are spent of sleepless nights. And then basically you're on demand after that for sleepless nights whenever the, the need arises. Um, the parent um, lets his or her life be drastically changed for the sake of another person. They give up so much for the sake of another person who um, is helpless and dependent on them. No one sacrifices more for another person uh, than, than a father or a mother, especially a mother, I think. Um, parents often impoverish themselves to provide f- over the entire life span of their children. Right? Um, so the love of a parent is pretty important. When I'm describing that, who does it make you think of does it make you think of yourself as a parent and the sleepless nights that you spent and the sacrifices you made and the love that you've poured out and the poverty that you've chosen as a parent to your children? If that was kind of your primary thought going through your head with regard to this commandment, honor your mother or your father, uh, let's think of how I should be honored. As a mother or a father, but that proves my point. <laughs> this is this is a commandment about pride. You're supposed to be thinking about the sacrifices your parents made, right? Not the sacrifices you've made for your children, so that you can point out to them, "Look what I've done for you. You should honor me." Right? Um, this is a commandment about pride, and we've got a problem with pride. Pride is um, probably the greatest, most uh, pervasive sin. ...on the face of the earth. And pride is breaking of this commandment. Uh, You're not to honor yourself as a parent. right? You're not to call attention to yourself as a parent for your sacrifice. You're to honor your parents. That's so difficult for people like us um, because we're proud people. We we try um, pretty much with most of our energy to get over on other people. Um, And when we can't do that, when we can't for some reason think of ourselves as better than others... Uh, or place ourselves in a position of authority over other people, then we despise those who are over us, right? Or um, at least we're suspicious of them. At least we're doubtful of the fact that they deserve to be where they are over us, right? People in authority um, bug us, and parents <clears throat> are. Uh, this is kind of where this um, this commandment goes. Pa- parents are the very image of God's own authority in our lives, right? Your father and your mother are in so many ways representative of God himself and his authority in your life, right? Parents give you life. God is the creator, and they reflect that aspect of him, that life-giving aspect of, of God's authority. There's the care and provision. There's the responsibility and accountability that your parents have that reflect God's authority. There's there's the wisdom and instruction and guidance, and discipline aspects of that relationship that reflect God's authority. There's the the aspect of uh, protection and security and providing safety, for children that the parents have that reflect God. And um, there's especially the love, and the affection, and the presence, and the relationship that the parents have that um, that reflect God's authority. That reflects. God's image in our lives. And so um, it really is foolish to think of ourselves uh, as not needing that, as not needing our parents, as if we'd somehow made ourselves the people that we've become. Right? Um, to think that we can live completely self sufficient, independent lives from any form of authority. Or provision or structure in our lives, right? To think that we can live free of that, to to think that we've gotten uh, ourselves to the place where we are now apart from that um, is really foolish, but we'd we'd love to think that anyway, right? And that's because of pride. Um, Ultimately, we despise others' authority over us because it reminds us of God. He's God and we'd rather not remember that we're not. uh, we didn't make ourselves, he made us, and we're accountable to him as our maker. We're accountable to him as the one against whom we've rebelled with every ounce of our being. And we'd rather not think about that, right? We reject his authority over us. And so uh, our resentment of his authority in our lives, it, that resentment bleeds out into our relationships uh, into our earthly relationships and the authority that uh, is reflected there. So we need, we need a true view of, of real biblical divine authority, right? We need a true understanding of the way that God uses his authority in our lives. We, um, we see God most clearly in his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son into the world to make himself known, to reveal himself to us. We look at Christ And we see who God is, and we see that perfectly. Right? Uh, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. It's been given to him by his Father. And what did he do with that that authority? He laid down his life, his very life, poured it out to the last drop for us, to serve us, and for our good. Uh, In Luke chapter 2, we see the way that Jesus himself uh, responds to authority in his life. He's the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. And here he is as a young child um, submitting to his earthly mother and to his adoptive father. Right, he submits to them. And then in John 2, as an adult, his mother at a, at a party um, hints at the fact that maybe he can do something about the wine shortage here. Uh, maybe, maybe he could do a miracle and... And he disagrees with her respectfully, but then he obeys her, doesn't he? And he provides um, according to her wishes. And then in John 19, <clears throat> at the cross, Jesus is hanging there for the sins of the world and uh, sees his mother. And what does he do? He provides for her. He's dying, and his concern is for his mother to honor her. And, uh, and so he charged his disciple, John, to take care of her. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Right? <clears throat> so Jesus obeyed this commandment to honor his father and his mother um, perfectly with regard to his earthly parents. Right? Uh, Thomas Watson said, He to whom angels were subject was subject to his parents. And, um, and he obeyed that commandment, especially with regard to his heavenly father. He always did what God uh, told him to do. Right? He always was about his father's will. He was equal with God, yet he submitted himself to his father in perfect humility Even though his father's plan was to cut his life short and to see him on the cross dying for the sins of the world, right? Even though his father's plan didn't seem good for him, uh, he perfectly, humbly submitted himself to his father in heaven. And now, having risen from the dead, he sends forth his spirit. It's the spirit of the Son the scriptures say the spirit of the perfect son into our hearts to change us to make us into perfect sons to make us into perfect daughters to make us love and obey god ultimately as our father as the one who has all authority over us and that makes us truly able to honor and to submit to our earthly fathers <clears throat> and there is a um, a promise associated with this commandment right honor your father and your and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And the explicit context of that originally was with regard to the Israelites. It's like they get this little plot of land that's pretty good, right? Palestine, the land of Canaan. Um, and he was promising, if you live like this with regard to your, uh, your earthly authority, your parents, then um, your life's going to be long and prosperous in this land. Um, <clears throat> Basically, that's boiled down to say, honor your parents, is for your own good. It's for your own good, right? Uh, this is not a universal, um, kind of immediately applicable to every circumstance promise, right? Some people who do well at honoring their parents die while they're still in their youth, right? Um, it's, it's more like the Proverbs that say this is generally how this goes. When you honor your parents, things go well for you right? This is for your good to honor them. Here's how it will play out in the long run for us. It's not just about living a good long life in the land of Palestine, clearly. Um, It's about living forever with God in the new heavens and the new earth. The inheritance that is promised to you in Christ Jesus is yours. That means whatever the Son of God, whatever Jesus Christ inherits, is yours and that means everything right? the heavens and the earth everything is yours because God the one with all authority your maker and your father he loves you and he gave his son Jesus for you so with that good news in mind as Paul writes in Colossians children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord and in Ephesians, he writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God alone is worthy of all authority and, and glory and honor and esteem and submission. God alone is worthy of all of that. But but he calls all of us as children to, to esteem his own image in our parents and it, in others who are in authority over us, to esteem the representative of his authority in those who are over us, to serve and to work as to the Lord himself. Um, John Calvin uh, has some good things to say about this. He says, Knowing that someone, this is a quote that's in the beginning of your bulletin there, Uh, read the first part of it, Knowing that someone has been placed over us by the Lord's ordination, we should render to him reverence, obedience and gratefulness and perform other such duties for him as we can. Reverence, obedience, and gratefulness. Or uh, John Frame takes those and kind of maybe broadens the category. He says uh, reverence, which has to do with your heart, right? Reverence, those who are placed over you by God in your heart. It has to be a genuine heartfelt thing. Um, And then obedience or submission, right? And then um, returning gratefulness in the scriptures, it means supporting them financially, right? Supporting them financially um, out of gratitude. And so <clears throat> this, uh, this takes shape in various relationships we have. It's not just with regard to children and their parents, right? But that is where God starts with this commandment. So, um, so we'll look at that first. And so children, and the fact that children are addressed in the scriptures, that children are addressed in this commandment, but I mean, throughout the New Testament— Children are addressed. They're included in those who uh, Paul is writing his letters to or Peter. They, uh, they're part of this family, right? They're part of this church. And, and so children, which is all of you, but especially little children, uh, give me your attention. Um, honor your father and your mother, right? Which, just a brief side note, the fact that both father and mother are mentioned in this commandment Implies equality between them, right? Equality of, um, of worth of honor, right? Your father and your mother. So, um, children, honor your father and your mother. Children, be willing to learn from your parents. Be willing to learn from your parents. Uh, you should be. You should be reluctant. To disagree with your parents, right? You should be slow to disagree with your parents. Uh, There will be rare occasions where it is actually necessary to disagree with your parents, but you should be slow uh, to do that. You should be willing to learn from them, right? Um, Give them the benefit of the doubt. Just assume that they probably know what they're talking about (laughs) before you go and and disobey them. Uh, Your parents won't always be right. Maybe they haven't told you that yet. (laughs) Your parents will not always be right. Um, but they probably have deeper wisdom than you. Right? They probably have deeper wisdom than you, and when there's conflict between what your parents say and what you want, uh, that's, that's usually a problem. Right? There's usually something wrong there. Where do you think the problem is? Is it with what your parents have said? Or is it with what you want? Um, I don't know. I'm not going to give you that answer. The Bible always encourages us to think first, there's probably something wrong with me, right? There's probably something wrong with what I want. So I'm going to think about that first, right? We're bound to disbelieve that about ourselves, that there's something wrong with me here. We're bound to think there's something wrong with that authority, With our parents, and that's precisely because of our sin, uh, because of pride, right? And pride is the sin that tries hardest to hide itself from us. So it's really hard for us to to figure that out sometimes, but it's true. So, children, speak well of your parents. Speak well of your parents when you're talking with other people. Sometimes that's easy to do because you love your parents, right? Sometimes that's hard to do because your parents uh, might seem cruel or oppressive or silly, right? <clears throat> when it's hard to speak well of your parents, speak well of your parents. Right? Uh, and make the best of it when it's hard. Uh, maybe you have to apologize sometimes for your parents, but speak well of your parents. Um, I, I feel at this all the time. You know, I should know better. <laughs> I feel at this... Um, maybe a week ago at home group I think we were talking about the wisdom that our fathers impart to us and um, I had nothing good to say about my father Um, we're supposed to speak well of our parents that's how we honor them and children maybe this is uh, premature but you need to think about this you need to support your parents in their old age right Um, I'll give you a good example John Mulkey missed church last week because he drove down to Coos Bay to take care of his mother's needs right she's old she values her independence uh, and when she has needs he goes down there and meets those needs right Uh, we need to support our parents in their old age because um, because they've taken care of us right they gave us a start when we were totally needy totally dependent they took care of us and when they become needy and dependent we're going to take care of them right So, um, in the Bible, words for honor, as in honor your father and your mother, uh, in Hebrew and Greek, they they sometimes have the sense of actually rendering financial value. When you honor someone, you're actually giving them money. (laughs) You're giving them support, right? So, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, honor widows who are truly widows, which means take care of them, right? Uh, Provide food for them and shelter. and and so forth. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first show, uh, learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. Right. For this is pleasing in the sight of God, it says. <clears throat> but if anyone, he goes on, does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worth worse than an unbeliever um, so John Frame says that in some cases there may be no alternative but to make space in one's own home for aged parents who can no longer live independently that is often the best environment in which to express familial love in the fullest way right, so, so be thinking about that that's, uh, uh, that's your obligation as a, as a Christian child right, to support uh, your parents And even though, I mean, we could talk so much about um, both perspectives in a a relationship of authority, you know, the the one who has authority. uh, We're not focusing on that primarily this morning, but I do want to take an opportunity to speak to parents with regard to um, the essence of this commandment, which is pride, right? Um, So, Paul writes in Colossians 3, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And then in Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If if you've been a father or a mother, you know that sometimes trying to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is what provokes them, (laughs) right? But there's supposed to be a contrast there, right? Provoking your children to anger, on the one hand, or bringing them up in the, the discipline, the nurture, the instruction of the Lord, on the other hand. I mean, these, these things are contrasted. <clears throat> we should be, as parents, we should be more spiritually sensitive than our children are. We should be spiritually sensitive to the fact that our desires and our commands in our children's lives may not be right and good they may not be necessary they may be Um, self-centered and so we need to take that in consideration thomas watson again says you conveyed the plague of sin to them therefore endeavor to get them healed and sanctified Endeavor to get them healed and sanctified, and that happens by God's grace. So don't use this commandment to get obedience for yourself, right? Don't wag your finger at your children, speak at them in a stern, threatening, commanding voice. God says you're to obey me. You have to do what I say because God says so. However, true that may be, <clears throat> how much of that is just from your own pride? Right. Um, it can be just a perpetuation of the sin of pride, which you will then just pass right on to them. Right. Um, for the good of your children, be humble and lead them to Christ. That's what it means to bring them up in the, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lead them to Christ, lead them with grace, right? Demonstrate humility because. Christ says um, that those who are in positions of greater authority should serve those with less authority, right? That's what Jesus says. That's what he came to do, right? He said he came not to be served, even though he is in the position of highest authority, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. And so we're to be humble. If we have a place of authority in our children's lives, we're to be humble just as Christ was, especially because we're not perfect like Christ was. Right? Um, and so um, we're supposed to be more humble than those who are beneath us in relationships of authority. Right? Beneath us uh, in station in life. Um, and that, that's good. That's exactly what this commandment is getting at. And we need it because, um, because in sanctification, our greatest fight is against pride, right? Pride is our greatest, most uh, pervasive, all-influencing sin. And we need to deal with that in ourselves, and we need to address that in our children. And we do that uh, by humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to, to God, uh, to his authority. So <clears throat> also, parents, um, receive honor from your children when you're older probably is a hard thing uh, to imagine yourself doing. Um, maybe you won't feel like you deserve their honoring. That doesn't matter. Right. Maybe you don't feel like you, you want to be a burden on somebody else. You know, When you're old and somebody has to take care of you, you, don't want to, you don't, you're not going to wish that on your children. We're all needy. We're all needy. We're all uh, dependent on one another. We all need each other. And so your children were dependent on you for a while, and you will be dependent on them probably for a little while. Right? So in humility, you need to allow your children to love and care for you. And that's how they're going to honor you. <clears throat> so that's probably enough about that relationship between parents and children. Transition a little bit because it. This commandment really is more about, even though the, the language explicitly says honor your father and your mother, it it, it goes beyond that. It goes uh, to uh, go, goes beyond the authority relationships in kind of the nuclear family, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know most commentators I think acknowledge that. In our in our confession of faith, the the Westminster Larger Catechism says this: by father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents. But all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance, are over us in a place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. Right. And, um, the general scope, it goes on to say, the general scope of the fifth commandment is the performance of those duties which we mutually owe in our several relations as inferiors superiors and equals so don't let that language put you off inferiors and superiors um that's not to meant that people have less uh, dignity or more value or whatever than than anyone else it's it's strictly referring to the stations in life that god has placed us right um a parent is not better than the child uh, not worth more than the child It's just that um, God has ordained that that parent be in a position of authority in that child's life. So that's what it means by uh, inferior, superior kind of language. But it's meant to expand to cover all the relationships where there is some difference between uh, authority. And really, I mean, it kind of even addresses the way that we should uh, uh, count others more significant than ourselves in general, right? Right. So, it says this in Leviticus uh, 19, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. So, um, God thinks it's pretty important, not just that we honor our parents, but the gray head, the face of the old man, right? Um, In general... In general, authority, just like wisdom, comes with age. And so we're to respect our elders. Um, and you know this is difficult, right? Because uh, there is someone that God has placed over you in some kind of relationship <clears throat> that you are told to honor and to submit to, and you just bristle and you think, not them, not them, right? And that's the pride that we're talking about that needs to be dealt with by the gospel. So <clears throat> there are a couple other relationships to address, um, hopefully briefly. <clears throat> Rulers, right? Those who are um, in government. Uh, it says this in First Peter, which was our New Testament reading. Be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution. It says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And then it says uh, in Proverbs 24, My son, fear the Lord and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise. Um, So, In the Gospels, Jesus was subject to the governing authorities, even though they terribly abused their authority, and they murdered him, right? They used their power to murder him. Jesus knew all about that, and and he went there anyway. He submitted himself to the authorities anyway. And then in 1 Timothy, Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So, I mean, that's describing a heartfelt honoring of kings and those who are in high positions, right? That we're we're praying for them. We're giving thanks for them. Right? We have a concern for our governors, and we're grateful for our governors. Now, if you're on Facebook much, um, you probably have seen, statistically speaking, you have a friend who um, seems only to post political rants, right? only to complain and really show disrespect for those who are in positions of authority, right? Uh, But just like with your parents, the Bible says um, we should not speak evil of them, right? Uh, So so maybe you don't like our president's policies. Or maybe you didn't like the last president's policies, right? That's always going to be the case. And we are um, never permitted to speak evil of them, right, to, to speak of them with disdain or disrespect. We're to pray for them and to offer thanks for them. We're to positively honor them as those that God has ordained to rule uh, over us. <clears throat> and that comes out very clearly in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 13. <clears throat> he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. It's a direct application of the Fifth Commandment with regard to uh, our relationships to those who are in authority. And this, in the context of the Emperor Nero, who um, set Christians on fire to light his garden parties. Honor him. Pay your taxes to him. Be subject to him. All of those categories of what it means to honor our father and our mother and those who are in authority are are present here. All of Calvin's categories, reverence and submission and support, even financial support, they're all present here. And uh, John Calvin goes on to say in that quote that's in the beginning of the bulletin, it makes no difference whether our superiors are worthy or unworthy of this honor. For whatever they are, they have attained their position through God's providence. God has orchestrated the world in such a way that this person has been placed in authority, which, Calvin continues, is proof that the lawgiver himself would have us hold them in honor. That's what it says in the scripture in Romans 13. So, a lot of times, the... uh, This leads to an exploration of the boundaries, right? The exceptions to the rule. When is it okay for us to disobey the authorities? Civil disobedience, when is that okay? When is it okay to to ignore, um, to stubbornly refuse to obey, to even rise up in arms against those who govern us? Don't major on the minors what I'm going to say about that, right? Focus, don't focus on the exceptions when we can disobey legitimately. You know what? When that person is telling you to do something that is clearly against God's law and you, you know that for sure, okay, so you're going to disobey that. But don't major on the miters. We always need to fight injustice and when our president commits injustice or anybody who's in authority over us commits injustice, we need to address that. We need to address that but we also always need to honor those who are in authority over us, right? So let's think positively about that commandment. <clears throat> uh, this has to do with our bosses at work, right? In First Peter, which, again, we read, um, these things were kind of in a section in First Peter with regard to fleshing out those relationships of authority. It says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. <clears throat> and it goes on to say jesus gave himself as an, as our greatest example he suffered with great humility with extreme humility and did not rebel right and then in colossians 3 and again this is just you would not think that the commandment to honor your father and your mother would show up in so many places in the new testament but it's As far as I can think, off the top of my head, it's in every single letter in the New Testament. It's given uh, a lot of airtime in the New Testament, these relationships that we have. So Paul and Peter are always addressing children and parents, and husbands and wives, and masters and servants, you know, he's always, they're always addressing these relationships, and in Colossians 3 it says bondservants, or literally slaves, but those who are in that employment relationship maybe they couldn't escape that relationship as easily as we could but that's the relationship that's being described here obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the lord whatever you do work heartily as for the lord and not for men knowing that from the lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the lord christ so this whole section is fa- uh, shaped by the fifth commandment. The language shows up everywhere. That the language of promise and reward that's in the fifth commandment shows up here. And sometimes it's really hard for us not to gossip about our boss, right? Especially, I'm not supposed to gossip about my boss. <laughs> but for everybody, it is hard not to gossip about our bosses, sometimes there's real oppression taking place in the workplace, right? Sometimes there's real injustice. Sometimes there's real abuse of authority. And that absolutely needs to be addressed. If if you are in any relationship of authority, any any at all, and you're being abused and oppressed and injustice is being committed, you need to talk to somebody about that. I am not at all advocating that... um, your, the concept of submission to authority includes your silence um, when your husband's beating you. Right? Or when your boss is making inappropriate advances towards you. Right? Um, those things need to be addressed. right? But ask yourself whether usually when you're gossiping about those who are in authority over you in the workplace um, whether that's Driven by pride, by resentment of authority, I'd do it so much better if I was in that spot. And ask God to shape your thoughts, and your feelings, and your words by the Spirit of the Son, who lives in you, right? The Spirit of the submissive Son, the perfect Son. <clears throat> and last, um, a little bit awkward, we talk about church elders. Um, it's a little awkward for the the teacher to say, "Listen to your teacher." <laughs> I'm supposed to get someone from the outside to come in and tell you to do that, <laughs> but um, it's it's in the Bible. First <clears throat> um, Corinthians four: Though you should, though though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then. Be imitators of me, Paul says. Uh, That's a pretty bold command. Uh, Be imitators of me. Better be sure you have something worth imitating going on there. Um, (coughs) But he says, I became your father in Christ Jesus. It can almost make sense of why the Catholics use that term of respect, father. Right? And Thomas Watson, again, he has just a really great, it's a book on the Ten Commandments. His, his section on uh, honoring your, your parents, honoring your father and your mother is really good. He, uh, an old Puritan. He says this, Many can be content to know their ministers in their infirmities and are glad when they have anything against them. Um, maybe you want to dig up dirt on me. <laughs> That says more about you than it does about me. I've got plenty of dirt. <laughs> and get to know me. We'll go to coffee. I can share some of it with you. <laughs> but don't be glad when you have something against your elders in the church. Um, he says in First Thessalonians 5, Paul, Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work let me tell you right now elders don't do their work perfectly right? I do not do my work perfectly we don't have it all together and for the most part um, your elders here would probably feel uncomfortable commanding you to imitate us like Paul did But God has ordained the the office of elder, which has authority, which should command your honor and your respect. Um, And God, in his mysterious wisdom, he takes broken, sinful people. He takes forgiven people who are being changed. And he places them in that office for the good of all of his people. And he is our good father in heaven, and he gives... Under fathers right to um, to his family, the church, to care for your souls and to to lead you in growth in christ's likeness uh, and in true holiness, so <clears throat> rather than automatically assume that you know more than God, who gave us these institutions, who gave us this structure and rather than automatically assume that you know better than your elders what is good for you and what is good for the church, take, take the child's place. Take, take the humble place. Right. Be willing to listen and learn from your elders. Give them the benefit of the doubt when you have disagreements. Um, speak well of them and support them and help make their jobs joyful rather than a hardship. Because even though uh, we're not perfect, um, these elders, we're, we're actually fathers in the normal sense too. And so we know what it means um, to have rebellious children that break our hearts. Uh, and it delights our hearts, not just to see outward conformity to the rules, but to see true love flourishing and growing in our families and in the church. Um, Hebrews 13 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. So we're here to grow together as a spiritual family in Christ with God as our Father. So, um, so honor him first and foremost, and honor in your hearts those that he's placed in authority over you. Right. Now, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, you know our hearts, and you know that our greatest struggle is with pride, that it just infects everything that we do, and we're, we're so blind to it pray that you would um, not only forgive us for our great pride, but that you would change us more into the likeness of your perfect Son by your Spirit who dwells in us. Show us those places where we resent your authority or we, we resent the representation of your authority, the image of your authority in those who are over us, and make us truly humble. We. Um, we love the picture of humility and authority that, um, that Christ gave us as he lived and as uh, he's recorded as living in the Gospels. And so we pray that you would um, fill our hearts and minds with him and uh, make us more like him. We pray in his name. Amen.